We're an expository preaching church, which means that we just walk through big chunks of Scripture, not all in one Sunday, but we um, keep on working through a passage or a book of the Bible. And so we've been in the book of Acts for several months. We took a break during Christmas time. And then last week we took a break as we heard from our mission team that went to Africa. And so this morning we jump back into the book of Acts and we get to start Acts chapter 13 this morning. And as we continue to walk through the book of Acts, in a, a writing that was originally called the Acts of the Apostles, so this, we, we're seeing this history of, of what, the, what the apostles did after Jesus ascended into heaven and what he called them to do, and we see the beginnings of the new church. There's several things that we as believers in the year 2024 are challenged by as we look at this book. For one... We are looking at the birth and the beginnings of the New Testament church. We're seeing how the new church started. Uh, We're faced, and so we're faced with the questions, at least for me as as pastor of of East Point Church, and as we are meeting and gathering together in the year 2024, and we're asking questions about our church and our lives, I think the questions that we're asking is this, are we following the vision and mission that Jesus gave us as a church to go and make disciples. I think we can get distracted. We've talked about that many times. We can just get distracted with programs. We can get distracted with all sorts of the busyness and the business of church. And so what the book of Acts is continually asking of us is this. Are we truly following the mission and vision that Jesus gave the church? Which is to go and make disciples. And so we look back at the beginnings of the new church and we ask are we praying and seeking Jesus? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to move and to guide us? <clears throat> Are we standing up for our faith like they did when they were persecuted? Are we, are we doing these things? We, you know, we understand that his, you know, history, this was several couple thousand years ago, and, and things are different now, but are these, are these main things still our focus? We look back at the history, uh, this book of history, and we have to ask those tough questions of ourselves and our church. And I think it's humbling. I, I hope that you guys have been challenged by that as we've looked through this. I think it's challenging, but I also think it's really good. It's good for us to see what Jesus asked and what he gave the church to do to go and make disciples. And so as we begin chapter 13 this morning, we get to look back at one of those churches, and it's the church at Antioch. And this was a very specific church that we get to see, but what's really great about this church is that they were truly a church on mission. We get to see what a very effective church looked like. We get to see this church that that met and how God used them. We get to see what I'm calling this morning a missional church and what it looked like. And this is part one. We're going to get to see more of this as we journey through... uh, chapter 13. So the question that I'm asking is this, what is a missional church? What does it mean to be missional? Are we missional believers? And I'm throwing that word around. I'm going to define that in just a second. Are we a missional church body? Are we being missional in America as a church? What does it mean to be a missional church? So the word missional, and I've kind of defined it here. If you're taking notes, you can use your your, um, bulletins there to take notes on. Missional, the way it's defined is this. It means to live as one sent for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. Just keep that up there. What does it mean to be missional? 
What does it mean to be on mission? What does it mean to be missional as, as individuals, as believers, followers of Jesus Christ? It mean, means to live as one sent for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. I mean, think about, we go back to Jesus. Think about how Jesus was described in the book of John. John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus was sent. He understood that. And then Jesus describes us as his followers, John 17, 18. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Are we living as one sent for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel? Or is our church body, are we as a church family living as, a, as people that have been sent into this world to share the hope of Jesus Christ? Jesus told his disciples to go into the world, to make disciples, to be his witness. This is the mission of the church. So it is to be missional in our lives, as to, as to be living as one who is sent. It's also to be a missional church, to be a church living as those gathered for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. And so I think that's the challenge this morning. It's the challenge that we're going to see from a church that, that was that. They were moving and they were going and sharing the gospel. So we continue to be challenged in the book of Acts, and, and we see it right here at the, in the beginning of chapter 13. We see one of those churches that was very missional, very effective. Now, not all the new churches had the same personality, okay? We saw, you start looking at the New Testament, you see all the letters that Paul wrote to those new churches, and there was, they were made up of people, so they were they had issues, right? The churches all had different personalities. Not all churches were as effective as the church at Antioch. And so I think, I think when we read this, we get inspired. We get challenged uh, by this church this morning. So I'm going to have Hannah come up and read Acts chapter 13, 1 through 5, and pray for us, and then we will jump into this passage. Thank you, Hannah. When we think about our lives... And we think about our church. We were remind, I, I, I was reminded as I was studying for this passage and preparing, I came across kind of a funny thought, a phrase that we've, some of us probably heard before, but that it was basically describing that there's three types of people, okay? So three types of people. So here they are. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what happened. And those, okay, so some of you guys have probably heard that 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 phrase, those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and then those who wonder what happened. And so we, we chuckle about that, and we can probably go, yeah, I'm one of those, I, you know, I'm, I've been known to be that. But we can also think about that and apply that to churches as well. And we can think about different types of churches. There are, there are churches that are on the move, and I mean that as like they are actively and aggressively reaching out with the gospel to their communities and to their world. And then there's, there's, there's a lot of churches that they, they know God is moving and they see it, but they kind of sit and they watch other churches do things and wonder maybe why God doesn't do more in their church. And then, then there's a lot of churches and they're, and they're scattered all over our, our country as well that are barely existing. They tend to be very internal. They tend to be only about kind of their own self. They kind of become a social club that's just kind of 
about who they are. They don't, they don't reach out. They don't, they don't, they're not sending people out, and they're barely existing. The church at Antioch was a church God used to make things happen. And so the question I'm asking this morning is, what made them effective? What made them a church that was truly being used by God, that, that, were, that was moving, that was sending, that was sharing the gospel? What made them effective? So the first thing that we see from just these five verses is this. The missional church, the Antioch church, saw the importance of worship and prayer. They saw the importance of worship and prayer. Are you seeing a trend in the book of Acts that when we start talking about strategy for the church, that there's not something, some big long list of 10 things that someone learned at a conference, that it, it usually goes back to, oh, they got together and prayed. Are you seeing the trend there? Like how important that is that the church gather and pray? That they got together and they worshiped. That they got together and they studied God's word. It wasn't so much that they were making you know, lists and they were going out and they were trying to find the, the dynamics of their... I mean, I'm not saying all that stuff's bad. But when we start looking at the strategy of the new church, it was simple. They prayed, they got on their knees, they gathered, they worshiped together, they studied God's word, they, they, they sought the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so again, we see this church that God used in so many ways and what made them effective, they saw the importance of worship and prayer. The church... At Antioch, had, they had some really good leaders. They had, they, had, they had Barnabas, they had Simeon, they had Lucius, they had Manaean, and they had Saul, or Paul. Godly teachers who shepherded the people as the apostles had modeled to them. I mean, you remember back in the beginning of, of the book of Acts when the church in Jerusalem was kind of exploding, and, and then all of a sudden the apostles, they were, they were so busy, they were like all their time was being spent like trying to, to get food to people, and so they stopped and they said, okay, we need to pick out some leaders, some people to help with the needs so that the apostles could focus on prayer and ministry of the word, to teach the word. So they, they, they separate that and they allow people to be a part of the ministry of, of helping people, but the apostles were able to be able to study and to shepherd the flock. Acts 6.4 said, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We see the importance. The church at Antioch saw the importance of prayer, of, of preaching, of ministry, of the word, of worship. And so we see here in, in verse 2, if you look at chapter 13, verse 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So this gives us a picture, okay? So they, they were coming together. They spent time worshiping the Lord. They spent time fasting. They were able to be in tune with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this is why they were so effective. Now it shows that they were fasting. I'm not going to ask if you've ever fasted. That's something that... Um, really, for the most part, is a very personal thing um, to, to fast. We see that in Scripture. We always see fasting from God's people during a time of deep spiritual concern. And maybe you've done that in your life. You, there's been something like, I've got to get in tune with the Holy Spirit. I've got to hear from the Lord. And maybe you've taken the time, you've set aside the normal needs or routines of your life in order to focus for just a time on what God's direction is. Maybe you've done that personally. It shows here that this church, it was so important that this church body knew what the leading of, the, of, of God was, the leading of the Holy Spirit, that they, at this time, corporately, were joining together and they were fasting and they were worshiping. They were unified as they were seeking 
direction. But here's the thing, they worshipped together. They worshipped together. So I, I do this every once in a while. Yeah, don't feel embarrassed, okay? Look into each other's eyes. I mean, look, look. Okay, this is your family. This is, this is your family. And, and, and what, a, what a special community that we have. And, and there are several of us that are, that are not here and that are sick, and so we pray for them. But this is, this is the body. This is, we are gathered here to worship the Lord. This is so important. It is so important. That's why, you know, like when we went through the pandemic and, and again, there's I, literally like so many people texted me and it's like, we're, we're sick, we're, you know, they're, they're at home and thankfully they're, they're probably watching online. But, but it, you know, what a, what a hard time that was when we were all not together, right? It is so important that we come together to worship together so that we can hear from the Lord, that, that we're unified as a body of believers and, and, and so that then we can go out and serve the Lord. We, we come together, we worship, we, get, we are unified as a community, as a family of God. And then we go hand in hand, we go out and we serve and share Jesus with this lost world. Coming together consistently is so important to our service and going out. Does, okay, I want you to see the connection here. This church at Antioch, we're going to see they, they sent people out. They were all about sending. They were all about going. But they were also all about coming together to worship together, to pray together, to study God's word together. Going, coming together is so important to our going out. Okay, that's, that's what I want us to hear this morning. Kent Hughes, a pastor, he said this. He said, if we try to work for the Lord without worshiping him, we will settle for legalistic self-centered service. And if we worship and then never work, we will end up with a form of godliness but no power. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that up there. I'm going to repeat that or you can go back to that slide again. If we try to work for the Lord, if we try to go out and we serve without ever coming together to worship and, and consistently worship together, we will settle for legalistic self-centered service. But if we come in here and all we do is like, oh, we, we love to get together and worship, but we never go out. We never tell people about Jesus. We never go serve. We never go shine the light to our community. We will end up with a form of godliness with no power. When we were in Africa a few weeks ago, um, and you got to hear a lot of that last, there were just some of those testimonies last week, which was, which was really awesome to hear what God did in the, in the lives of those that went. But when we were over there, we, we would get up, we would work, and it would get really hot, and then we would come back, and we were exhausted, but one of the things that we did every day was we gathered together to worship, every day, and we, we, would, we would sing together, we would, uh, someone would, would bring something from God's word, we would join in with the, with the community, and they would come over, and they would dance, and we would play drums, and we worshiped together, but it was so important that we were doing that worship so that we could go do the hard work. It, like, they just went hand in hand. And so, how important is that for us? That we're bringing our families to worship together, whether it's on Sunday morning together, whether it's on Wednesday night together, whether, whatever we're doing, so that when we go out and work, we are, we are unified in what God's called us to do. And this was a characteristic of this church, this effective church. They saw the importance, worshiping, praying together, studying God's word. A second thing that we see uh, also in verses two through five, the missional church, this, this effective church, they knew and they understood 
their mission. They knew and they understood their mission. I remember about a year ago when I went on sabbatical in the, in the month of February, I came back and I gave you that huge, great insight that God had shown me over that month, right? You remember that? And it was like, oh, wait, no, it's the same thing that God, Jesus told us, go and make disciples. The mission hasn't changed. There wasn't like some new thing that God's shown us. When, I came, when we got to January 2024 and we start thinking about our goals and our, and our life and what are we going to do this, this year, the mission hasn't changed. Go, make disciples, gather together, worship together, and then go make disciples. The, the missional church, this church that, at Antioch that we look back and go, like, what a great and effective church they were. What made them effective? They knew and they understood their mission. They never, they never questioned it. They weren't given new missions every year. They were just like, this is the vision of the church, and they understood it. What does it mean to, be, to live a missional life? It is, remember, that we are to live as one sent for the glory of God, as one sent to carry the good news of the gospel. To be a missional church is to be filled with people that have an understanding that, that we understand that we have been called, that we, have been a, we are a people being sent that we are a church that God uses to make things happen. Isn't that, like we, we look back at Antioch, like they were a church that God used to make things happen. Don't, don't we want to be called that? East Point Church, they're a church that God uses to make things happen. It doesn't come from our human strategies. It comes from getting on our knees and praying, worshiping together, studying God's word, seeking the leadership of the Holy Spirit, guiding us, and then going and understanding our mission and our vision. Side note, okay. It's 2024, we live in America, right? I think we might have a wrong understanding of what it means to be a church that makes things happen, okay? I think what we see sometimes based on the business of the church, the church culture that we've been creating for years and years and years here, social media, I think sometimes we think that only churches who have thousands of members or millions of views of their services, or pastors who go viral, or write books, or make the news, that we think, well, those are the churches that are making things happen, right? Don't we, don't we think that sometimes? And so we go to church growth conferences, like how do we become more like what we see? How do we, be, how do we, how do we spread our social media? How do, we, how do we go viral? How do we get involved in, in politics and cause trouble and I mean how do we like sometimes we have this wrong understanding like well those are the churches that are making things happen but that's not true there are thousands of churches of all sizes and what is what makes you what makes a church effective is that they know what their mission is they know what it means to go and make disciples they come together they're unified And God uses churches of all sizes and shapes and different places in the country and different places in cities. And and if if a church is unified and understands their vision, God's going to use us. God's going to use us. Do we know what our mission is? Are we going into our neighborhoods and cities to share the gospel? Are we partnering and sending missionaries into the world? Are we the light in the darkness in our communities? Are we living missional lives? Are we a church that understands our mission? And, and that's, if that's something that we've heard over and over and over from this book, it's that. Do we understand what Jesus has called us to do? Go and make disciples of all nations. 
before he ascended into heaven, it's like, you're going to be my witness, okay, for this whole world. So don't just stand there. Let's get going. The, the church at Antioch understood their mission, and the Holy Spirit, at this time, as they were, they were gathered together, so go look back in verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord, they were seeking the Lord and fasting, okay, God, use us, what do we need to do next? It says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the church at Antioch understood their mission, and the Holy Spirit then said, set apart Barnabas and Saul and send them out. Partner with them. Let's get going. And this is what I want you to do right now. I want you to send them out. So what we get to see here is, as believers is that we are, we are called to go. But we also see here that sometimes God calls very specific people to the ministry. Like, and I'm not going to name the names, but you think about how many missionary families that we support that have been on this stage that we know that we love that we've gone, now gone to see, as we, as we talked about last week, who've come back and they're like, this is, this, is our, this is our family, we love you guys, and then we send them back out, getting ready to send another family out pretty soon. We see how God does use and set aside and call specific people to the ministry, to the mission field. Another thing that we see is important here is that we see God's timing. Do you see what they're doing? They weren't having a committee deciding what strategies, like here's all the things we need to do this year. What were they doing? They were gathering together and saying, Lord, show us when, show us who, show us how we're supposed to do this. And the Lord spoke to them and and said, send Paul and Barnabas out. They were waiting on God's timing to go or to sin. I, I think sometimes, again, we have created, and it's been happening for years and years and years, and we've created the culture, we've created a like a biz, like a church business. I mean, you guys notice that? Like, here's what you do. Here's how to be an effective church. Here's the strategies. Here's your plan of attack. I, I, I told you the story many times when I was a youth minister, and we had we had one of those kind of youth ministries where, at a time, at a season, things looked. I mean, they were going well. People were coming. Kids were coming. And I remember, I remember like youth ministers called me up like, hey, can I have a meeting? Like, okay. And they would come to the church and they're like, okay, tell me exactly what you're doing. What, what am I doing? We're, we're just sharing the gospel. We're just gathering together. We're worshiping together. We're going on mission. I mean, like, I'm like, no, tell me exactly what I need to go back to my church and do. It's like, this is not about a strategy plan. This is about seeking the Lord, waiting on his timing, seeking God, looking into a community and how do we shine the light of the gospel to these people? This is what this church was doing. They were waiting on God's timing. And I think sometimes we begin to make our own plans and our own strategies, and we have to get back to allowing the Holy Spirit to lead. We must get back to praying, to seeking, to fasting, to worshiping, and letting the Holy Spirit guide us to open up those opportunities in our lives. What have we been saying this, this whole time through this book? We've got to get our eyes up, right? Get our eyes up. Look around you to see where God's working. See where God's working, and then go join Him there. God's got opportunities all around us where God is working. Open our eyes. See what God is doing. Join him in his work. And so we see that here, as, as, and that's what the church did. The church sent. They're like, okay, 
The Holy Spirit's leading us. The, the church sent Paul and Barnabas off. They sailed to Cyprus, and when they got there, they found John Mark, which was Barnabas's cousin. Okay, we'll know more about him as we go. He was there to help him. He was kind of like the first intern, basically, right? The church intern. He's like, he was like, all right, tell me what to do. Um, he was going to struggle at some point, but that's okay. He was young. Um, this was this was about a 130-mile voyage that they, they got on, and this took courage. But again, they trusted in God's timing. They trusted in the Holy Spirit's leading, and so they were willing to follow. They were willing to follow. Okay, tough, tough questions time. You ready? Tough questions with Chris, okay? Do you, do I, do we trust the Holy Spirit's leading in our life? Do you really? You're like, well, sure I do, Chris. Yeah, we throw that around all the time, don't we? Listen to the Holy Spirit. We, we, I mean, if you've been in church for very long, you, you throw those phrases around. Yeah, just listen to the Holy Spirit. But do you really? Do you truly trust in the Holy Spirit's leading in your life? And so the next question that follows that is this. What is God calling you to do? What's God calling you to do? What have you told God that you would never? Don't ever, don't ever do that. Don't do that. Don't, I would never. I will never do that. Stop. Just stop saying that. What is God calling you to do? How about this? Do you ever listen to testimonies from other people and say, well, I could never do that? Ever done that? You might have heard that last week. You might have heard some of those, those people that got up here last week and said, we made a very long, hard journey to the remote village in Africa. I mean, I mean you think about Stephanie, who's always had a heart for mission, and she, she got up there and she's like, yeah, there were one or two or more times during that trip I thought, I can't do this. My body can't do this anymore. But the Lord gave her strength. They gave her opportunities to minister. Are we seeking? Are we praying? Are we fasting? Are we worshiping? Are we listening? Are we waiting for the Lord's calling and direction? And are we, or are we like so many, sitting around on the sidelines watching others be used by God and say, well, I can never, I'll never do that. That's for them. That's for those professional ministers. That's for those professional missionaries. That's for those, those really spiritual people. I could never do that. Or maybe some of that comes from us being really comfortable or maybe really fearful. Well, I could never do what Paul and Barnabas did. Okay, let's, let's just step back for a second, okay? Paul and Barnabas were not superheroes, okay? They were just people, just like us. We need to be reminded that as believers, we too are to live as, as those sent. We have been called to go. Let us, let us get our eyes up. Let us see where God is working. Let us listen to where he's calling us to go. It might just be across the street to a neighbor's house. You might be like, you need to go talk to them. You need to go see if they need something. You need to go see if you can pray for them. The Holy Spirit's just like nudging you. It's like, it might just be go across the street. It might just be to go across the cafeteria at your school to that student that you keep seeing that, can't, that doesn't leave your mind and you know that you just need to go be a friend to that person and see what God does. It might be across the world that God's calling you to the mission field or maybe just on a trip or maybe just to go minister. Maybe it's, it's you know, whatever it is. Yes, Paul is a hero of our faith, but really, he was just a man. Barnabas was, was, yeah, we look at that and like, what great testimonies. They're in the Bible, but here's the thing, okay? You know what they really were? 
they were really just models of willingness. Models of willingness to go. Do you think, do you think when they got on the ship that they knew what God was going to do? No, they are just willing to go. They were just like, Lord, whatever, send me. Are you someone who's just willing to go? But a lot of times we look back, it's like, well, they were professionals, so I cannot do that. No, that's, they were just two, two guys going, all right, let's go. And the church was like, well, let's send them. Let's partner with this. It's exciting. Get them on a ship. We're going to help. Let's send you out there, see what God does. All right, and this is, this is where it's going to blow your mind, okay? And when they got there, guess what? Guess what their method and their strategy was? It was so good. I mean, you can tell that they went to that um, mission conference before they left. You can tell by what they decided to do. It was incredible. It's going to blow your minds. Write down this every detail, okay? You ready? Okay, this is what they did. They decided to get off the ship, and they said, here's the island. How about we start over there on this side of the island, and then we're going to walk to the other side of the island. And as we walk, we're going to tell people about Jesus. And we're going to go talk to some people in the, in the Jewish synagogues. And then those people that aren't part of that, we're going to tell them about Jesus. All right, that was it. Did you hear it? They got off the boat, they started walking, and they started talking. Walking around and telling people about Jesus. That's, pretty, that's, a, that's, a, huge, that's a big strategy, isn't it? I mean, we could probably never do that, right? I mean, that's, I mean, think, I mean think. They walked and they talked about Christ. They, they, they looked and they said, all right, God, put someone in our path. And, and then he did. And they would tell people about Jesus and what he'd done for them. Next week, we get to see how they confronted a crazy magician guy. We're going to see about that. But, but their method was not complicated. Again, let's go back. They were at their church in Antioch. They knew, the church knew their mission. They're like, here we are, Lord. We want to, we want to be used by you. So what did they do? They, they got on their knees. They prayed. They worshiped together. They sought the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They fasted. They said, show us, Lord. And so then they did. And God, God showed them. They sought the guides. The Holy Spirit said, okay, I'm calling out Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas to go. It is, this is God's timing. The church, you guys partner with them. Send them out. Paul and Barnabas are going to be an extension of you as, you, as they go. Paul and Barnabas, they were just said, okay, we're willing to go. So they go. They feel led by the Holy Spirit to go to Cyprus. And when they got there, they simply knew that they just needed to walk throughout the entire island, preaching and teaching the hope of Jesus Christ to anyone who God put in their path. And that was So this morning... What are we being confronted with in God's word? We're being confronted with the truths of what it means to live a missional. What does it look like to be part of a missional? A missional church is a church that understands the importance of gathering together for worship, seeking the Lord, but it also understands the mission of going out to share the gospel. The missional church understands what it means to send and partner with those who have been called to go even farther. And you can think of those faces right now that we partner with. We also see Paul and Barnabas, two guys. We see what it means to live a missional life as, as a person, as a believer, a life that understands what it means to be sent. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are a life that is sent to bring the glory to God, and to point people to the hope of Jesus Christ. It's still January, okay? So we can, talk, we can still talk about New Year's resolutions, right? Goals, right? That's what we do at this time of year. Yeah, it's okay, 2024, yeah. Okay, eat better, all right? 
see better. Okay. Exercise, good idea. Spend more time with your family, yes. Make some good memories, absolutely. Work hard, yeah. Start a hobby, I guess, maybe, if you want to. Those are all good things. But how about an even loftier and something harder? Live a missional life. Live as one sent for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. That's a, that's, that's, that's a goal. Now, that sounds pretty awesome, and, and, and we, you know, we're going to fail. We're, it's not going to be perfect as we strive for that. Thank, thank goodness for God's grace and forgiveness and his um, sanctification from the Holy Spirit as we mature and grow. But imagine how living out that goal, as imperfect as it may look, imagine how that will affect this world and how it will affect our time together as the body of Christ. To be a church that says, I'm going to use that church to do things. I'm going to make things happen. We know it's, we know it's all him. It's not because of us. It's, it's Christ working through us. But it's a group of people saying, I'm willing to go and to live as who I really am in Jesus, which is one who was sent to share the gospel. Will you set that as your goal? Will you live a missional life to grow? And really, again, what have we been asking? Are we willing? Are we willing to go? Are you willing? Your word. Thank you for getting to look back at how you started the church in the New Testament as we see different churches, as we see this church at Antioch who who you used in such mighty ways, but we see what made them effective. They were willing to get on their knees to pray, to seek you, to worship together, to come together as a body and to worship, but they were also willing to go as you sent people out, as you sent them out, as they partnered. And so God, what a challenge it is. What does it mean to live a missional life? It means to, to live as, as one who is sent by you, to shine the light of Jesus to a lost world. And so I pray this morning that we would catch that vision, that we would be challenged, inspired, encouraged by your word, by your truth, to go, to be willing, to live a missional life, to, be, to bring that back into our church, to be a church that's a missional church. And I pray for anyone here that's, that's, that's hearing that, and they're saying, well, I, I just need Jesus. I pray that you would save them, that they would, as you call to them, as you call them to salvation, that they would trust in you, have faith in you, find salvation in you. I pray if anyone's listening online, that they, too, if they're hearing the call of salvation, that they would trust in you to be the Lord of their life. So, God, I, I, again, I thank you for a time to worship you, a time to seek your word, and I thank you for your truth. We love you. We give you all the glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.